Today's reading is taken from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 13, to chapter 4, verse 27. It's on page 637 uh, of your church Bible. So, Proverbs, chapter 3, starting at verse 13. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you, when you already have it with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse anyone for no reason when they have done you no harm. Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways. For the Lord detests the perverse but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. The wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me, and he said to me, Take hold of my words with all of your heart. Keep my my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. 
I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of the evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. For they cannot rest until they do evil. They are robbed of sleep till they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. This is God's word. Thanks, Susie. Morning, everybody. My name's Sam. If we've not had a chance to to meet yet, it's great to be with you. Um, It's a longish passage today. Um, if you're new to Christchurch Mayfair, we take the Bible incredibly seriously. We, we think this is, the book, this is the book where God speaks to us. These are God's words and words of life to us. Um, so we'll try and draw some broad brushstrokes through them because um, there are some wonderful lessons for us in this passage ahead of us today. Why don't we pray and turn to our Father as we come to these words. Our Father in heaven, we praise you that you are a speaking God, that you want to be known. And thank you, Father, that you've set this passage before us this morning. And we trust, Father, that these are your words for us this morning. Give us ears to hear them. Give us hearts to receive them. Give us your spirit that we might live by them. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I think one of the big questions, really, this passage asks of us is, is God's wisdom valuable for all of life? Now, of course, we're in church, and um, the right answer here is obviously yes. Um, but I'm not asking really for the answer here. I'm asking, I'm asking about what, what happens when we go beyond these walls. Church is about the only place, isn't it, where, going back to Polly's map earlier, where it's kind of cool to follow the path, where actually it's cool to be godly. But actually, as we, as we leave these walls... Is God's wisdom valuable for all of life? I don't know about you, I, I, I sometimes think, find it easier to think of God a bit like a dentist than a GP. Dentists, exceptionally good at teeth only. Go to them with flu symptoms or a broken leg, they don't offer you much. Whereas you can bring your GP a, a rash or a headache or a lump and they'll, they'll know who to uh, 
refer you to. They'll, they'll know what to prescribe. They'll, they'll have wisdom to offer. I suspect they can probably even do teeth if it came to it. And without realizing it, I, I, I wonder whether sometimes we think of God a bit more like the dentist than we do the GP. You know, God, God's kind of very good at certain areas. He's, he's good at areas where there's a clear right and wrong. Shall I murder my boss? God has an answer for that. No, don't do that. Even if you really want to, still no. Shall I defraud the company? Again, no, don't do that. But there are other areas, aren't there, where, where maybe it, it's just less instinctive to us to think God has anything to say, that God's wisdom is valuable. How, how shall I complain to the customer services rep down the phone? Oh, you, sort of, you need good negotiating skills, don't you? You don't really need God's wisdom. How to maintain a sense of peace and calm in the hustle-bustle of London life. You need some good mindfulness practices. Not necessarily God's wisdom. How to do the job interview really well. You need that kind of self-confidence that doesn't border over into arrogance. You need to walk that difficult tightrope. You don't really need God's wisdom so much for that area of life. And without realising it, God has become the dentist. Very useful, but within a sort of limited sphere. Lots of life, he's, he's of limited value. And this is a wonderful passage ahead of us, because in it, God wants to expand our appreciation for his wisdom. It starts, blessed are those, blessed are those who find wisdom those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. I was looking this week at the cost of, of different education courses. And, uh, and if you have a lot of gold lying around, you could do the, the history and law program at Sarah Lawrence College, New York. Um, you would need £402,962 worth of gold, to be precise. And that might be profitable for you. People say that, actually, with a degree from there, you, you really do get access to the upper echelons of the pay scale. Barack Obama went there. There you go. But a course in God's wisdom is worth more than gold. Yields better returns, more precious than rubies. It'll pay out for you more than a course at Sarah Lawrence College. Long life, it says, is in her right hand, and in her, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to all who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Lofty claims. The value of wisdom. And here's why that's so. Continuing verse 19, by, by wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. God's wisdom is the stuff of life. That's what these verses are saying. God's wisdom is the foundation of everything. It's the fabric of the universe. When God set out to sculpt the clouds, to decide on the different sort of shapes that the clouds would form, or 
or when he set out to measure the depth of the Mariana Trench, or to fashion the intricate processes of evaporation and condensation that cause rain to fall. He had only one tool in his toolbox. Only one tool. His own wisdom. He needed, he needed nothing else. And he wants to convince us in this passage that his wisdom is all we need for life. That his wisdom is good for all of life. And he's not going to make us pay £402,000 for it. He wants to give it to us freely in this passage. He wants to give it to us freely as those who trust in Jesus. God has made us his children. He's given us his word filled with precious wisdom. He's given us his son in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge we're told in the Bible. In him we have salvation and in him we have wisdom. And so he says to us, verse 21, my my son, my daughter, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. Hang on to wisdom. If wisdom is this valuable, hang on to it. Look after it. Treasure it as you would your jewelry, as you would your gold. And what we have in the rest of this passage, really, I think is is a tour through different spheres of life. The writer to the Proverbs takes us on a little, a little sort of whistle-stop tour through different spheres of life. And he wants to convince us that in every sphere of life, God's wisdom is what we need. It's the Swiss army knife, if you like. It's good for everything. It's good for every area of life. Wisdom in the community, wisdom in the family, wisdom down the years, and wisdom in the heart. That's where we're going. There's a little outline on your, on your sheets if you want to follow along. So first thing, wisdom... In the community. Wisdom in the community. Just look over the page. Verse 35 says, The wise inherit honour, but fools get only shame. Do you want honour? Do you want to be known as someone who's decent? Someone people look to and say, they're just, they're just great. God's wisdom is what you need. Let's just work slowly through these verses from, from verse 27. Back over the page, sorry. Chapter 327. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to act. Don't say to your neighbour, come back tomorrow, I'll give it to you, when you already have it with you. The principle is pretty clear, isn't it? If, if you have in your possession something that is somebody else's and you're in a position to give it, give it. Don't, don't expect credit from people. If you can give it today, give it today. If it's theirs and you happen to have it in your possession. If you're an employer, don't expect employees to work beyond contracted hours, to give up their evenings and weekends. Don't, don't expect that of them. And they will appreciate your commitment to giving them their time off, their due time off. They will honour you for that. Um, it, was my, it was my grandpa's funeral last week. Um, he, he's been living alone since my grandma passed away 
back in 2020, back in 2020. None of his sons um, live especially close to him. He, he, he was in a little village in, um, in Essex. And there was a couple from the local village church, Chris and Kathy Bevan, who I almost certainly aren't listening to this. But um, if they are, hi, Chris and Kathy, no, they wouldn't be. Um, who, just in a really ordinary way, have been visiting him and talking to him and, and bringing him to church where possible. They haven't been withholding good from their elderly neighbour when it's been in their power to act. They've been showing wisdom in the community and at the funeral. We honoured them for it. Rightly, rightly so. Because in a very ordinary way, they've been wise. On the flip side, though, wisdom in the community also means, verse 29, don't plot harm against your neighbour who lives trustfully near you. Don't accuse anyone for no reason when they have done you no harm. Don't envy the violent or choose any of their ways. Trust is what, is what builds communities, isn't it? It's that sort of, you know, I'll leave my keys with you as I go away, that kind of... It, it, trust is what builds communities. And we know the feeling, don't we, when someone you trust lets you down. You thought they were for you, but turns out they were only in it for themselves. Don't be that person. Don't use others for your own gain. Don't envy people who do that. God's wisdom is of a different kind. Verse 34, he he mocks, the Lord mocks proud mockers. He shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. The same verse translated in the New Testament as God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you want honor in the community where you live, where you work, God's wisdom is what you need. As we follow Jesus down the path of humility, you first. You first, me second. Imagine what community life in London would look like if more of us thought like that. It'd be a beautiful thing, I think. The loneliness crisis in London might go some way to going away. God wants to fill us with wisdom in the community. That's the first thing, wisdom in the community. But that is not the only place where wisdom is precious. We said at the start, wisdom is precious for all of life. Wisdom in the community, wisdom in the family. That's the second thing we see here, wisdom in the family. I wonder, what's the most precious thing you ever received from your parents? What's the most precious thing you ever received from your parents? I, um, I proposed to my wife Catherine on um, Easter Monday 2014, and I gave her a ring, that, as you do. Uh, and I gave her a ring that, that I, I had received from my mother, that she had received from her mother because it was the ring that she received from my grandfather. It was my, it was my grandmother's engagement ring. And that ring is rightly precious to Catherine and I. But the gift of a ring is small fry compared to the gift of wisdom. A ring will set you up for a nice proposal story. Wisdom will set you up for life. Chapter 4, verse 9. She will give you a garland to grace your head 
and present you with a glorious crown. And in these verses at the start of chapter 4, the, the picture is of a father passing on to his children the wisdom that he learnt from his father. And there are lots of different sorts of wisdom that get passed down the generations, aren't there? Um, eat your vegetables, that's how you're going to grow up big and strong. Do your chores, contribute to the needs of the whole family. Finish up your screen time, go in and do something else, go and explore nature or anything really. Um, all of those have their place within families, don't they? It might be that you have a son or daughter actually at the moment who, who's resistant to your wisdom. Don't, don't stop giving it. There's a goodness to, to pa- passing down wisdom down the generations. It's part of how God's designed families. They need your wisdom, even if they don't tell you that very often. But there's one particular lesson that's been impressed upon this father by his father, and it's there in verse 7 of chapter 4. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. It's a simple lesson. The greatest gift a parent can give a child is a hunger for what truly matters. The greatest gift a parent can give a child is, is wisdom or the desire for wisdom. We don't always have to use words. Whether, whether we realize it or not, whether we want it or not, our children are always watching us, always learning from us. And they will either learn to put their trust in themselves or in God and the wisdom of his word, the Bible. They will either learn that the hope for their future is their education or, or in Christ, their saviour. They will, they will either learn that, that true community is found on the touchline on a Sunday morning or in the gathering of God's people. The greatest gift, the greatest gift a parent can give a child is a hunger for what truly matters. And if, like me, you're, you're, you constantly feel inadequate as a parent and are thinking, how, how on earth can I possibly pass that on to my children? Then there's good news for us here. Because the parent here is also a son and a daughter. Son or a daughter. We're, we're, we're still learners. The parent, too, is invited to learn. Perhaps we have godly Christian parents who, who taught us God's way and actually they have handed down their, their faith from one generation to the next. We're, well, we're never too old to learn from them. Their wisdom for, for persevering as a Christian. Or perhaps we're the first in our family to trust in Christ. If, if that's you, then, then hear the invitation of your heavenly Father who has adopted you to come and continue learning from him. As God's wisdom ripples down from generation to generation, we can know the blessing of wisdom in the family. Now we're on this, this whistle-stop tour. We've seen wisdom in the community. We've seen wisdom in the family. The writer to the Proverbs convincing us wisdom is valuable for all of life. And I've called this third section wisdom down the years. Wisdom down the years. What will keep you grounded in the changing seasons of life? What do you need to have stability and constancy in a world of change? Well, no surprise, the answer in these verses is God's wisdom. That's what you need. 
Because God's wisdom maps out for us a path. I've been reading the first, um, the first Lord of the Rings recently. If you know the story, the, um, the hobbits travel with Aragorn heading for Rivendell, trying to escape the Black Riders. You might have just seen the film, actually. It's a similar kind of thing. But, um, but, they, uh, but they have to travel cross-country for most of it. But there's joy when they discover a path. Here's a little extract from, um, from something I read recently. It says this, Pippin was a little ahead of the others. Suddenly he turned round and called to them, There is a path here, he cried. When they came up with him, they saw that he had made no mistake. There were clearly the beginnings of a path that climbed with many windings out of the woods below and faded away on the hilltop behind. In places it was now faint and overgrown or choked with fallen stones and trees, but at one time it seemed to have been much used. It was a path made by strong arms and heavy feet. Here and there, old trees had been cut or broken down and and large rocks cloven or heaved aside to make a way. They followed the track for some while, for it offered much the easiest way down. I love that. The joy of discovering a path. It's a simple joy, isn't it? But But they're thrilled to discover a path. And that's the promise of God to us in these verses. His wisdom will give us a path. A good path. A path that will offer us much the easiest way down. Look at verse 12. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. With with my students, I'm the the students minister at CCM, with with my students hat on for a for a sec. One of the reasons a lot of students find the transition from, from uni to the workplace quite hard is that, is that up till that point they've had a path. It's kind of been primary school, secondary school, sixth form, uni. And then at that point they sort of, the conveyor ends and, it, and it's easy to feel all at sea. What do, I, what do I do next? And I'm sure it's not only students who, who, who feel that from time to time. As, as suddenly you lose your job and you're left thinking, what next? Or you get a diagnosis in the family and in a moment the vision that you had for your life changes. Or as your children leave home and having poured your life into your children suddenly, suddenly you're not sure who you are anymore. God's wisdom is precious to us in those moments. There are, there are other paths we could, we could walk down at some of those turning points, paths that would mean that we end up lost, as we saw earlier with Polly's map. Paths that, w- that wouldn't end well for us. But walking God's path, walking God's path of wisdom keeps us grounded. Because our God is steadfast and unchanging, his wisdom gives a steady, unchanging path. Verse 13 says, hold on to instruction. Don't let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. There's a glorious simplicity to the Christian life. Just keep walking along this same path. Just just don't leave it. Just keep following Jesus. Keep remaining in him. Don't go anywhere else. This path is our life. And this path leads to life. 
Verse 18, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Walking God's way in this life is like a sunrise. A sunrise is stunningly beautiful in its own right, brimming with luster and vitality and, and potential. But it only gets brighter and brighter until the, the sun comes out. God's way is, is like a sunrise. It, it gets brighter and brighter as we approach God who, who lives in unapproachable light. Wisdom is precious down the years. It gives us a path. It keeps us grounded. It leads us to life. So we've seen the value of community. Sorry, the value of wisdom in the community. The value of wisdom in the family. The value of wisdom down the years. But as this passage comes to an end, the writer zooms in and shows us the value of wisdom in the heart now, I don't, I don't think it's overkill to say that cultivating a, a healthy inner life is, is really the obsession of our day and age. Whether you're someone who reads books or listens to podcasts or follows influences, you'll, you'll likely have heard similar sorts of ideas on how to cultivate a, a healthy inner life. Make time to be mindful, to, to breathe, to be, to be self-aware. Practice meditation. Emptying your mind, being in the moment. Be self-reflective, walk, think, journal. And actually, I think, I think it's, not, it's not all complete nonsense. I think, there's, I think there, is some, there is some wisdom in that. I think it's good to be aware that we are not gods, that actually we're, we're, we're creatures made by God and, and we come with limits. It's good to slow down. It's good to be reflective. Um, the issue, though, I think, with a lot of secular thinking is that it assumes that what we will find when we look inside ourselves is, is the real you, and the real you is always the same and always brilliant. Whereas the picture we have, I think, in Proverbs is that, is that the real you is not that consistent. What comes out of your heart depends on the state of your heart, and the state of your heart depends on what goes into your heart. Verse 20 of chapter 4 says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn, my, turn your ear to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. If you want to cultivate a healthy heart, if you want a healthy inner life, it's less important whether you meditate or not and very important whether you pay attention to the words of our Father God. Psalm 19 says this in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. And he goes on, they are more precious than gold, God's words, than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. God's words, they're sweet, they're refreshing, they give joy. And Proverbs invites us to pay attention to these words, to keep these words within our hearts. Reading them, chewing on them, enjoying them, 
memorizing them, maybe. Verse 22, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. The state of our hearts affects our whole body is the claim of this passage. And we, we actually know that from experience, don't we? It, it can affect us physically. If, if you're feeling anxious, your, your, your shoulders kind of tense. You, 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 you sort of sweat more. You're, you're prone, to, prone to headaches. But the writer says, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. The thrust is not so much that a, that a healthy heart will mean that you're slightly better off physically, but rather that, that a healthy heart leads to healthy actions done by the rest of the body. Everything you do flows from your heart. And then look at how the next verses give us, give us a little tour around the body. Verse 24, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet. And be steadfast in all your ways. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. No, he, he doesn't just say, get your heart right and everything else will follow. There's still a command, keep your mouth free from perversity. But the idea is, what, what the heart loves will be seen in our actions. Wisdom in the heart will affect everything. That's why it's of such value. Everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. Keep wisdom in your heart. Keep chewing on the precious words of our Father. Now, as we come to the end of this, of this long passage, I, I wonder whether you're yet persuaded. How much is wisdom worth to you? If you had $402,000, would you buy it? Or would you buy a course at Sarah Lawrence? Would you trade in your jewellery collection for this most precious gift? Because we've seen today that wisdom is the Swiss army knife of life. Wisdom will serve you well in the community. It enriches family life. It anchors us down the years. And it affects us all the way down. It, it changes our heart from which everything else flows. And God wants to give us this wisdom and he's not going to make us pay $402,000 for it. And of course, when we, when we zoom out and, and read this passage as Christians, we realize the invitation to receive wisdom is nothing other than the invitation to receive Christ and the invitation to keep receiving Christ, to go on in him. Just as wisdom is more precious than rubies, so Christ is the pearl of great price worth more than everything else, worth giving up everything to have. Just as wisdom is your life, Colossians chapter 2, 3, tells us that Christ is our life. Christ is our life as Christians. 
And just as everything flows from a heart of wisdom, Jesus promises, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Just as we've heard the invitation from our Father God today to see the value of wisdom in all of life, so also today the invitation for us is to trust that Christ is precious always. Not just here today when we're in this building, but when we go. There's no area of our life that is better off when we keep him away from it. Former theologian and um, Dutch Prime Minister, Abraham Kuyper, famously said this. He said, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Yes, he's sovereign over our salvation and our eternal life, but he's sovereign over our driving habits and our habit of driving each other up the wall. He's sovereign over our changing nappies and our changing moods. He's sovereign over our paying and our playing and our praying. He's sovereign over all. Let's allow Christ, in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found, to reign over us all and to reign over all of us. Why don't we pray? and ask for his help. Father, we thank you for helping us this morning to see the goodness of your wisdom for all of life, to see the goodness of your son, to see the extent of his rule, the extent of his claim over our lives. Father, we gladly yield ourselves to him this morning. We gladly yield ourselves to your wisdom. We trust in your path, which shines ever brighter till the full light of day. Father, keep us on that path, we pray. Help us to keep walking it. For we ask it in your son's precious name. Amen.